Welcome to the Take 15 podcast. I'm Lauren Foster, and this is the show where we bring you short conversations with some of the world's most thoughtful and accomplished people. This is week three in our series, The Enterprising Investor Interview. If you're a regular listener, you know by now I got the idea from one of my favorite podcasts, The TED Interview where Chris Anderson invites some of the most compelling TED speakers onto the show to go deeper into their ideas than was possible during their short TED talk. Only this time, I sit down with authors of some of the most popular posts on the Enterprising Investor blog. For the final episode, I'm joined by Barbara Stewart. Barbara is a CFA charter holder, researcher, and author of the Rich Thinking series on women and finance. She shares key insights from her decade of research, including the types of investments that appeal to most women, as well as women's attitudes towards risk-taking. I hope you enjoy our conversation, and be sure to check out Enterprising Investor, where you'll find more than 180 charterholder contributors sharing investment insights and provocative analysis. And now on with the show. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Barbara Stewart, welcome. It's really great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much, Lauren. I'm delighted to be here. So you have a really rich body of research, and I'd love to start our conversation there. You've spent pretty much the past decade doing research on women and their relationship to wealth. Um, you've done like a staggering number of one-on-one -on -one interviews. I think I read more than 800, which is kind of amazing. So let's start there. What are the major takeaways from a decade of research on women and wealth? Well, it's so hard to just put that in a couple of brief sentences. Um, yeah, right. Over 800 interviews and me being completely obsessed with doing deep dive one-on-one -on -one in person. This year is going to be a bit strange because I've started doing Zoom interviews for the first time. But I'm going to go to weird places that I've never been before, like Riyadh. I was there yesterday. <laughs> Interesting. The key takeaways from my research are one, Women prefer to communicate about investing by sharing stories rather than looking at hardcore numbers, charts, and graphs. This is a generalization, but this has come through time and time again in my interviews. Um, the other one, uh, women, family life is always central, so they prefer to deal and talk about real life issues. So if you're telling about a, a company that you want a woman to invest in, it has to be in her language. You better know the story of what the company does and why they're interesting or she's not going to give you her money. That's loud and clear. Uh, secondly, women definitely prefer to invest in causes and concerns that matter to them. So any investment idea or product has to align with her personal values before she'll make the investment. And that's fine. But again, it takes time to explain that and to make sure that you align with uh, the person you're talking to and understand them clearly. So it might take a little bit longer to get them to invest. And then thirdly, women are not risk averse, they are risk aware. And this has been the tweet that sort of resonated with me most. I've always tried to change this lingo. I just knew it wasn't true because I've dealt with so many strong, capable female investors over the years in my own practice. So yes, women might take a little bit longer to make an investment decision. They will do their homework, but they will be the most loyal clients once they do make the investment. They do take calculated risks. So there are obviously real-world implications for this. And so perhaps a follow-up question, if I may. What changes does this demand of the investment industry and what risks does it pose for financial advisors and their female clients? 
Well, I think we're starting to see some of that change already occur in the industry. Thankfully, um, I think we've had no choice because women are starting to demand it. We've seen movements from all over the place on many different in many different industries. So the biggest thing is the industry needs to meet women where they are. And what does that mean? Um, women are on social media. The stats show they are larger users of Facebook, Instagram, all of these than men. How many women clients actually send you a Facebook message? If you're an advisor, this happens often. It may be non-compliant. Why is it non-compliant? I don't know, but there's all of these things. If we want to meet our clients where they are, figure that out and fast. Um, other than social media, the boardroom might not be the right place to meet your female client. It's interesting because most firms are still set up in this very structured, staid, old-fashioned way, yet a woman will, might say, I'm not very comfortable in this environment. I don't want to walk in here and feel like this isn't the place for me, especially if you're going to have a conversation about how do I align my personal values with my investments, why not go for a coffee? Somewhere she's comfortable, let her decide. Don't let the firm dictate how you have to behave with your female clients. So I was reading earlier that you started this research really to try and bust some myths and you, and you touched on one a few minutes ago when you said that one of the myths was that women were afraid of risk. So what are some of the, the other myths that you were set out to bust and were you successful in busting them? Thankfully, yes. I finally did a quantitative study because numbers talk, of course, and even with over 800 interviews, and I find that to be statistically significant at this point, I still get asked by the media to prove it with numbers because that's, of course, the traditional industry wants to talk numbers. So in terms of the quant findings, when I asked women about confidence levels, three quarters of them said that they make financial decisions on their own. This was a study of over 200 women around the world. That's a pretty high number. 29% say they make investment decisions entirely on their own. And 39% say they make investment decisions mainly alone, but with some input from other people. So those stats speak pretty loudly. And in terms of women, uh, the other myth was they're not educated about money. They're not as financially literate as men. That's crazy. Uh, FINRA did a study a couple of years ago that I found fascinating that didn't get enough airplay. If you take out the I don't know uh, answer possibility in a survey on financial literacy, the genders are completely uh, the same in terms of their level of financial literacy. Women are very honest when they answer these surveys, and if they don't think they know 100% about the answer, they'll just say they don't know. Big difference. Um, and the other thing in the quant survey that I found was interesting is that nearly half of the women said the most important path to investing success is to just get started investing one way or another. Very interesting. So you're, you're a prolific author on the Enterprising Investor blog, and I'll give a shout out to EI. I think it's a must read for financial professionals. And your most recent article is She's the Boss of Her Money. So I'm curious, what does it mean to be she's you know, the boss of your own money? And what trends were you talking about in that article? Well, it's, it makes me laugh every time I think about it because I do a lot of presentations thanks to CFA Institute and a lot of different banks around the world. 
And the slide that always resonates the most with women just about anywhere I am is this quote about the need to have FU money. Everybody just loves that. And I think the big takeaway here is that you can't be a financially independent woman. Sorry, you can't be an independent woman if you're not a financially independent woman. And that's what being the boss of your money means. Simple. Right. And in the article, I believe you showed a few trends. What were some of those trends that you're seeing at the moment? Well, a lot of it's taking place in Scandinavian countries. They seem to be a little bit ahead, and it's particularly younger women that are leading the way. And just about every hour, it feels like we're having some sort of Facebook community about investing come up. And it's just the way that women share and want to collaborate on these platforms. It takes off like wildfire. So we're seeing business models being put around this now, which is really And one of the women that I interviewed for that article just won the Forbes 30 Under 30, and she's in Denmark for her platform, Female Invest. And it's a fabulous educational platform that, again, meets women where they are, hanging out on Instagram, Facebook, and helping each other uh, learn how to invest. And even if they know how to invest, there's some fairly sophisticated Facebook communities just to have those kind of conversations. It's exciting. It is exciting. So in all your years of writing for EI, your most popular ever blog post happened to be about body language. Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, um, it's interesting because, as you know, CFA charter holders are very smart people and they know a lot about how to value stocks and what's ethical and not ethical. But I think all of us could certainly use help with our communication skills with our clients. There's just no downside to that. And body language is certainly one of those skills, and it's helped me along the way. So I didn't even really write that article. I just interviewed Mark Bowden, who's a global specialist. And it's funny. Why do you think everybody was reading this article? I think, again, we all need help. So the number one thing that he shared with me is how important it is to sort of show your body and be open with your clients, because this is a non-judgmental stance. And when we're talking to clients, people are giving us personal data and they have to feel like we're accepting them. And open body language is a much more accepting way to sit. And the other big takeaway is never touch your face. People think it's strange. And it's obviously hilarious that we didn't predict that COVID-19 was coming as well. But now there's even less reason to touch your face. It makes you look trustworthy. Yeah. <laughs> So your work started off with this idea of challenging outdated stereotypes about women and money, and you wanted to do that by sharing positive messages about their relationship with wealth and money. And so I'd love to sort of wrap up our conversation on a positive note. I call this the sort of the ray of sunshine question. Uh, and it's almost impossible these days to have, yeah, to have a conversation that doesn't in some way touch on COVID-19. So a two-part uh, final question for you. What do you think uh, is one positive change that you think will come about as, as the result of this crisis? And what is the one thing you're most looking forward to when social distancing measures are finally lifted? Well, I interview a lot of entrepreneurs, actually male and female, for some different research projects that I do. And what I'm finding, the biggest thing I'm being told right now, is all of those projects that these business owners have put on the back burner for so many years because they were just too busy to get around to them, all the things you should have been doing, and I don't mean like 
cleaning out your sock drawer or anything like that. Serious things like building online educational platforms or putting your products and services online. People are telling me now we're finally getting around to the stuff we should have done. And that's so great because it will have a direct impact on the way they're doing business and on their bottom line right now. Um, in terms of me, what I'm looking forward to, travel. <laughs> I miss it. I'm a travel addict. I mean, I'm a person wandering around the world interviewing all these women. Zoom just isn't the same. It's nice. Uh, I can access some interesting places, as I said, but I can't wait to get back on a plane. And the first place I want to go is to the south of France with my husband for a hiking vacation. Nice. I mean, as a fellow traveler, I am absolutely in the same lane as you when it comes to uh, looking forward to travel. So Barbara, it's been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for joining us today. And to you and your family and to everyone in the audience, please stay safe out there. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts and it helps others find the show. Also, a quick reminder, this podcast isn't intended to provide expert advice on the topics we covered. If you need tax, accounting, or legal advice, please consult a professional. I'm Lauren Foster. Thanks so much for listening.